Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Bovada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett. He is the head odds maker at BovadaSportsbook.com, the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, uh, this is the confluence of sports. A lot of people say March and April are the best time of year. I would happen to say October. You have the baseball postseason, the NHL starts, the NBA starts, football's in full swing, college football's in full swing. This is a great time to be a sports better. This is a great time to be a sports fan. Absolutely, Seth. Uh, with all due respect to the people that do hype up March and April, um, you know, I, I see that as kind of a crescendo. You're looking ahead to playoffs. Uh, I, I, I think this is hope for a lot of teams at this time of year. Uh, yeah, you have the baseball playoffs, and uh, I'm not going to get too much into uh, how the Blue Jays bowed out, but uh, whether it's college basketball, NBA, NHL is uh, taking place this week, regular season, um, NFL in full swing, college football, huge games happening. Like this is where things are happening. It is almost overwhelming. Uh, it is the month of the year that I've, I've been doing this for with Bovada for 15 years now, Seth. And this is the month of the year that goes by faster than all of them. You just, you can't keep track of everything. And it's, it, it's perfect. It's, and you know what? You hit the nail on the head. It's a great month as a better because with so much going on and how overwhelmed we can be as odds makers, uh, this is a great time to take some cracks. Uh, NBA preseason playing in weird venues against weird teams with, you know, different, uh, you know, five man rotations out there that you're not going to see all year. A better that's really taking, uh, you know, a good look at that stuff can find a lot of inefficiencies in our pricing. So it is a great time for betters, fans, bookmakers, everyone involved. It is awesome. And I'm so thrilled to be sitting here for one more fall season of this, at least. Well, it should be a great one. You know, this year, and we've talked about this on the podcast, this is the first time in 26 seasons uh, that I did not attend a regular season game in Major League Baseball. I just took a break uh, from covering it. And uh, because of my day job with iHeartMedia, uh, if the Philadelphia Phillies or New York Yankees go to the LCS, uh, I will be attending. So it's almost like I have something riding on these uh, division series because uh, let's be honest, uh, I have a, a road trip in mind if those two teams win. Now, if the Atlanta Braves or the Cleveland Guardians win, uh, I'll be sitting right here watching them on television. But uh, yeah, I will be going to a ballpark if either one of those teams goes in. When I applied for career credentials uh, for the postseason, it was for the LCS and World Series only. Uh, it was the Phillies, the Mets, the Orioles. Um, the Orioles didn't make it. Um, you know, those were the possibilities. And then I added just a crazy possibility that the Seattle Mariners make their first ever world uh, world series. And uh, I have a credential if the, if the Mariners make the world series, which is crazy to think of. And if that turns out to be the case, I think I'm going to head to the Pacific Northwest. Jeez. You're going to have a nice little busy fall. Perhaps, perhaps, crazy. yeah, we'll, perhaps, we'll, perhaps it'd be weird, we'll, we'll but it'll be how... my 27th year. It would mean that I, that I don't miss mm. a, a season um, right. uh, with credentials, <laughs> which is kind of wild. And you know what? I, I think you did it the right way. Uh, like a lot of people uh, engaging in uh, the baseball playoffs right now, a lot of people probably didn't watch too much regular season um, because baseball is just not the kind of sport that lends itself to people uh, sitting for three and a half hours on a Wednesday afternoon uh, in June or July. Yeah. But this time of year when every game is so consequential, uh, yeah, and they've been really good so far. There's been a lot of uh, drama, intrigue, a lot of back and forth games, some good comebacks, great pitching early on. Uh, there, there's been so much to enjoy about the playoffs so far. 
I, I was hoping because I was going to be in Toronto this upcoming weekend that uh, if they got past uh, Seattle, the schedule would have broke for me. But uh, that is life as a that Toronto did not sports happen. fan. The M's no, defeated that... the Blue Jays and come from behind fashion too. Eight one in the fifth inning. Yeah. So one thing I thought was uh, kind of an interesting parallel uh, to how the Jays season started. The Jays season started um, against the Texas Rangers and they came back from a seven run deficit in that game. Jays season ended by blowing a seven run lead. So uh, I don't know if people care about the yin and yang of sports or any kind of symbolism there. I don't, but I thought I put that in the mildly interesting category while I was trying to make sense of that absolute collapse last Saturday. But uh Great weekend. Yeah, that was sports, quite a you know, collapse. Uh, if you did, if you fell asleep on that, if you walked away after uh, eight eight one, uh, the Mariners came all the way back. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah. When the Jays, uh, I think it was the shortstop, collided with Bichette in center field. I was just, oh god, yeah. I know. I've seen this story before. It's it's not going to end well, and it it didn't uh, feel bad for the fans. Uh, Jays fans are great. Uh, the city uh, had really got around them. Uh, that was, you know, the first major COVID thing. I think they hadn't played uh, in the Jays uh, in the Rogers Center for like a couple of years, something like that, in front of full fans before they did uh, back in April of 2020. So uh, fun season, you know, really a, a team that's still loaded with talent. Uh, the baseball playoffs are an incredibly harsh mistress when weighed against 162 game regular season. But uh, that's why it can be so much fun. So tough break for Toronto. Um Again, I'm going to once again tout up my Julio Rodriguez Rookie of the Year, AL Rookie of the Year, because we all know specific yep. leagues are important, Seth, when we're starting out uh, yeah, of course, you know, awards yeah. and historical stuff like that. Aaron Judge, <laughs> but yeah, American so, League champion. Yeah, so I, 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 that's right, American League champion. He goes on to face the NL champion in a home run slugoff. How about that? Um, yeah, I, I hope for your sake uh, and for the Mariners' sake uh, that they have a nice long run. We, we're talking, we're maybe recording this podcast from Pacific Northwest in a few weeks' time. Yeah, you never know. We might we might have to do that. Uh, nonetheless, um, there are four division series. Now, we know uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it's recorded, there's already been a game one. And, you know, in a five-game series, game ones can be very massive. So all of this could be changing, but... Uh, Given the fact that uh, it's a five-game series and the division series next week, we'll have the, uh, uh, the 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 championship series, which is a little bit longer, uh, in a seven-game series. Uh, why don't we break down the the four matchups uh, in the American League: the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros, and the New York Yankees and the Cleveland Guardians. What are you, what, what what are you seeing? What 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 does it look like? So Seth, the, the good news for you in, in this scenario is because you talked about, you know, you, you're, you know, you're kind of hoping Seattle makes a bit of a run. You're kind of hoping Philadelphia makes a bit of a run. And um, based on our odds, they are worse than their opponents in these upcoming series ever so slightly, but a shorter series benefits them because that's because in baseball, the team. best team doesn't always win a short series. Exactly. You know, if, if the Houston Astros and Seattle Mariners were playing each other 10,000 times, I'd say, yeah, I wouldn't be banking on going to the Pacific Northwest uh, to catch a little bit more postseason baseball. Um, but in a three games, uh, sorry, a, a best three out of five series, there's a lot of noise, a lot of uh, crazy things can happen. And as a result, uh, your Seth Everett Seattle Mariners are only plus 180 underdogs against the mm -hmm. Houston Astros in their uh, five game series. So and you're, you're going to see that with a lot of the odds in these series games. You know, the Guardians are only plus 150 underdogs to the New York Yankees and their American League home run king, Aaron Judge. Uh, Yankees are only minus 200 in that spot. And again, looking at the uh, Padres Dodgers. Dodgers have been, I think, the best team in baseball for almost the entire season, just putting up, uh, you know, video game numbers uh, 
with their pitching and their hitting. And even they are only minus 230 home favorites against uh, the San Diego Padres in that series. So I think uh, the beauty of this part of the year is really once you've gotten into the playoffs and have made it this far, any team can run hot. Any team star pitcher can have an off night and uh, chaos really reigns at this time of year. So I think that's what's so enjoyable of baseball is that for 162 games, Really, if you didn't make the playoffs after that, you don't have a good argument why, especially with this expanded wildcard nonsense. But really now, if you made it, it's it's anyone's game out there. And, that, and that's really reflected in the futures prices outright as well, Seth, in that looking at both leagues, um, whether it's AL or NL, no team is greater than the 50% favorite to represent their league in the World Series. So I, I think that that's really cool. It does add to the extra amount of drama from every pitch, every plate appearance, uh, every line drive, whether it stays fair or foul, or whether it can be chased down. Uh, but playoff baseball is awesome in a way that is such such a departure from reg- the slog that is regular season baseball. As soon as I said it, I felt bad calling it a slog, but I have to be honest, that's what 162 games is for me in 2022, especially relative to so many other uh, high-paced sports out there. It's just, it's a tricky one to keep my attention in July, but I am locked in. And sadly on Saturday, I was locked into that JCF game. That was a, that was a crazy game. Uh, crazy game indeed. Uh, quickly on the National League, to me, there's clear-cut favorites here. Uh, the Dodgers taking on the Padres. I know the Padres were great against New York, but okay. Dodgers are a fantastic baseball team. So are the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Phillies are this upstart team. Um, forget who rooting interest. I would be shocked if we don't get a Dodgers-Braves uh, LCS. But, you know, having covered baseball for 26 years, you never get that matchup. They would be the favorite matchup based on their series prices, Dodgers Bears right now. But but again, uh, you know, Dodgers are plus one thirty to win the NL. Uh, Braves are plus two twenty five. Padres right there four to one. Phillies right there plus five fifty. I mean, this isn't like when we get to the NBA playoffs and the eight seed versus the one seed is lined up, and you know we're already hitting that EA Sports simulation button to get move ahead to the second round. There's, you know, we've talked about this in the past. There's not a lot of intrigue in the first round of NBA playoffs, very rarely. And when it is, it is something that we note that exception. Um, but I, I, again, in all these series, uh, they can break so many different ways. You know, you, you look at the small money lines for all these games, Seth, and you're talking about teams that are, you know, minus 150. You know, you're talking about 60% to win different games. And if it's NBA or NFL, you're generally looking at, you know, 75, 80, you know, maybe even higher to win these games. So, uh, as a result, uh, it does, again, put that kind of added pressure on just every batter versus pitcher matchup, every ground ball that's hit hard. It's 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 nerve wracking. I, I don't envy those players. I don't envy uh, the potential Bill Buckners of the upcoming postseason play that uh, might unveil themselves because it does happen. You do end up uh, having somebody that's unfortunately going to be the goat or be the, on the schneid for some of this. And uh, it's compelling. It's heartbreaking. It's uh it's the time of year where baseball really shows its best. And uh, I really enjoy that about that. Well, what made me laugh, you know, during the postseason is that 15 inning game between uh, Cleveland and Tampa Bay, you know, it's scoreless and everybody's, you know, talking about how dramatic it is and how wonderful it is. And yet you put a ghost runner in second on second base in the regular season. You've mm-hmm. demeaned your own sport by saying you don't want long, dramatic, wonderful games. And instead, that's what you're seeing. Yeah, that was interesting. I did see a, a lot of takes on old Twitter.com suggesting that, oh, you know, now, now you don't have a problem with the ghost runner, do you? Because, you know, some people who didn't want to watch that for 15 innings thought, uh, no, you know, I know it wasn't uh, what we like, but it, it was tidy. It cleaned up those games a lot faster. 
I, I can't appreciate that when you have 162 games and whether you have um, any kind of postponements or any kind of, you know, rainouts and stuff like that, it can be a hassle for travel and it can be a hassle for bullpens and everything else to have these 15, 16 inning games um, when you're going to be playing more often than not uh, the very next day, if not getting on a plane late that night to play early somewhere else. Uh, when, when you have the playoffs and you have these space in between games, sometimes, at least if there's a travel day, uh, you know, I, I think it makes a little more sense as part of the gamemanship to play it out under the traditional aspects. But I, I do not really like that much that there are inconsistencies and in how you win a game in the regular season versus how you do in playoffs. And, you know, NHL has kind of a similar problem with the regular season shootout versus um, versus uh, the forever overtimes in um, in playoffs if it's uh, tied game oh, regulations. Oh, my God. I love it so much. They're great in the playoffs, but uh, if it was a Wednesday, at like, and it was the LA Kings playing late, and they were playing till three in the morning Eastern time, I mean, I'd probably still enjoy. It. I mean, I'd go to bed and give somebody else the live odds for the rest of the night. Maybe somebody overseas, but um, I, I can appreciate that uh, when it's the regular season and schedules are what they are. That there's uh, there's a want to wrap these things up a little bit tidier. Although I'd go back to just giving the old. Uh, regular season tie i don't i don't know what do you, i just i don't like that overtime and shootouts in the regular season have this magical extra point that can be awarded when any win in regulation is just two points out there uh, i don't know how best to solve right. that the, I don't know the, if it's just going the back way to, to fix that is to make uh, a win be three points so it's the international international hockey tournament way is that if you get the win in regulation it's a three-point win whereas if you win in overtime slash shootout it's only a two-point win so uh, I, I do like that better than the NHL version because at least the same points are up for a grab in every single year. And it incentivizes team. You know, what, what you see late in third period, sometimes five minutes left in a tied game, neither team's going to overextend themselves when they're going to get a free point for playing, you know, any kind of risk-free hockey the rest of the way. So incentivizing teams to play for that, you know, big third point is, but I, I, I get why the NHL likes it because it muddies up uh it muddies up the standings table. And so you get to a point where two thirds through the season, because all of these free points that are given out, the standings are such a slog that anybody can make a run or say they can make a run in March or April. And, uh, you know, maybe make the playoffs, even if they've played poorly all year. So it, it works to keep teams kind of in the mix, but I think it creates bad hockey late in tied games. I don't know. Uh, if we I, got I, on a hockey I agree. Set, I, tangent, I, but. I don't disagree. No, I, I don't disagree. I, I think there's a big issue with the way, uh, the postseason versus the regular season. Make your regular season mimic that. Uh, I, I I understand. I I didn't hate the tie, and I I understand. You know, Martin Brodeur was a big critic of the shootout. Uh, he said mm -hmm. that he got it got him to the wins record uh, sooner, and that mm -hmm. shouldn't have been. That he should have had to earn it. You know, the way and, and ties should count in in your record. Um, you know, you get the you get the credit for the same victory, and it's not fair. I completely agree. All right, let's take a look at the National Football League, and we'll start off with Thursday. And look, not all the Thursday matchups can be gems. The Washington Commanders against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Carson Wentz and company are just 1-4, 0-2 oh on the road. And the Bears, even though they're unbeaten at home, aren't much better than the Commanders. Yeah, th th this seems more like an Amazon game, Seth, not an Amazon Prime. This... You know, I, I would not hit without the, the prime. Uh, Could you imagine if they take out the uh, the prime requirement? Just anybody can watch this. Just put it on. That's 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 what I'm saying. It's uh, it, it's not worth the upgrade, folks, if you're on the fence. But uh, 
you know, that, that, that's okay. However you choose to consume this game, the good news for you is uh, we have the odds. We have, uh, you know, the point spreads, the overrunners, the player props, the live betting, everything else that you might want to make this game a little bit more watchable than just throwing it on. Uh, currently, the Chicago Bears, Seth, are uh, ever so slight one-point favorites at Bovada. The over-under is sitting at 37.5, which is by far the lowest of the week. Uh, one quick note, uh, scoring overall seems to be, uh, you know, I, I know we had a great Monday Night Football game, but scoring overall in the league seems to be down this year. I'm not sure exactly what's driving it. Anecdotally, I'm seeing a lot more teams, uh, you know, running the ball more, using a lot more play clock. Uh, you know, I know Russell Wilson has struggled in Denver. I don't want to rehash every other team, but yeah, this really is the perfect crescendo of what has been a low scoring start to the season. Again, with that over under of only 37 and a half, uh, oof, ugly game. All right. Much better games on the weekend, including Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs against Josh Allen and those Buffalo bills. That's a marquee matchup right there. Yeah. That's set that that's easily the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the year with, uh, how fun those two teams are, you know, coming off an incredible, uh, AFC championship game, uh, last year. Sorry. That was, the divisional game, whichever it was, uh, everyone knows the game I'm talking about where, you know, the Bills march down the field. Surely, surely they've won because there's only 20 seconds left for Patrick Mahomes to do Patrick Mahomes things. And he did those things. And the Chiefs went on to win in overtime. And I, I, I think, you know, the, the Chiefs had an incredible Monday Night Football game. The Bills are, have looked amazing this year. Their one blip was when they went down to play Miami in a scorcher of a game where cramping and other issues led to them playing a little bit sloppy. They're not going to be running into that kind of weather in Kansas City on Sunday afternoon. Uh, it should be an absolute blast. No surprise that it is the highest over-under of the week, sitting at 54. And uh, the Buffalo Bills, ever so slight, two-and-a-half-point road favorites of Bavada in this one set. Uh, the action across the board is split pretty 50-50. We kind of expect that to be the case all the way through. A lot of sharp-end recreational players will be making their case throughout the week, and uh, they generally will, I think, see that split all the way up till Sunday. Two weeks in a row, the New York Giants making this podcast. Uh, the New Giants coming off that impressive London victory over the Green Bay Packers host the Baltimore Ravens at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, it's it continues to be. You know what? I, I haven't watched a lot of the Giants games live this year. You know, the, the red zone, you know, that, that doesn't really count. You see pop-ins and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but getting up uh, for the second weekend in a row of London games, and boy, am I nice. It's nice to have a reprieve this weekend from that. But watching them play against the Packers, uh, first of all, I'm surprised with uh, how decently they played uh, defensively. But offensively, they, they really went to uh, the bag of tricks in this game, which uh, as someone who enjoys the college game more as a fan than I do the NFL, it's it's always fascinating to, for me to see teams just pull out all the stuff, not just line up under eye formation, run, run, pass, and complete punt. Um, you know, get Daniel Jones playing hurt in that game, a great amount of running yards. Uh, the Giants look like actually a kind of a fun team. I still don't think he's a very good passing QB, but you know, lo looking at the odds in this one, Seth, the Giants are currently five-point home underdogs to the Ravens. If we were lining this game at the beginning of the season, the Ravens would easily be a touchdown or more favored on the road in this spot. Uh, what we are seeing, though, is that uh, some players are probably taking this as an opportunity to buy a little bit low on the Ravens at only five points, as they are currently getting about 75% of all bets on that spread at Bavada. Over-under currently sitting at 45 right now. That's their uh, split pretty 50-50. Another great matchup, the Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Two questions there. First of all, the Eagles haven't lost a game. And the second one, are the Cowboys for real? Without De Dak Prescott, can they hang with the Eagles? This is a battle for the top spot in the NFC East. 
Yeah, super compelling game, uh, Seth. Uh, we, we have the limits uh, currently slightly, ever so slightly restricted uh, right now, just because of, you know, Dak has kind of suggested that maybe, I don't know, could I, uh, we, we currently don't expect him to be available in this one, but we are monitoring this one very closely. So, uh, you know, when we release this podcast, I mean, the lines may be out of date, but as it currently stands with the knowledge that we have, uh, the Eagles are four and a half point home favorites in this one. Uh, what the Cowboys have been able to do with uh, Dak injured, Cooper Rush under center. Listen, uh, they're, they're not letting Cooper cook, which is probably for the best. I think he only had 12, 13 pass attempts uh, last Sunday. But what they are getting out of that running game of Pollard and Zeke Elliott, and, uh, but really what the defense has done with the Cowboys this year has been absolutely stunning. Uh, it is uh, difficult for me to give any credit to Mike McCarthy whatsoever as uh, a bit of a Packers fan here. I, I know maybe his week-to-week preparations, his in-game stuff generally isn't great, but uh, what they've been able to do when with Zeke out, when many people thought their season was toast, uh, the fact that he's been able to hold the line as well as he is, has been just remarkable. But what's really the more interesting uh, story, I think, in this one, Seth, has been how good Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team has been you know, everyone thought that they just got lucky when uh, Dak got injured. And, and sure, of course, their NFC East uh, odds improved dramatically when that occurred. But what Jalen Hurts has done, both passing and running the ball, he looks so comfortable in that offense. The Eagles look really, really good week in, week out. They're currently the NFC favorites right now in the, in the NFC, which is, you know, not what we had to start the year at all. But they're past the Bucks, they're past the Rams, they're past everyone else. They look really good in this one. So the fact that they're only four and a half point home favorites at Bavada really speaks to, yeah, they're, they're great, but this Cowboys team has been no slouch. Uh, you know, I, I I lamented a couple of weeks back, I'm like, oh, Cooper Rush, Sunday Night Football, but I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to what Kellen Moore can pull out of his bag of tricks, what that Cowboys defense can do, and ultimately what's going to happen then. All right, on the college ranks, uh, in the time we have remaining, there are some big, big matchups, uh, but can I neglect the uh, top 20 matchup between NC State traveling to the JMA Wireless Dome the uh, building formerly known as the Carrier Dome, to take on my 18th-ranked Syracuse Orange. 15 Ooh, versus 18, Patrick. We would talk about this game. You know, I thought we talked about what games we were going to do, but no, you, you had to slip in Syracuse on me. No, I did. I, th- I, I threw yeah. you for a loop. Well, I feel, I feel like you should be previewing this game as the resident uh, Orange expert, Seth, but... Uh, no, it's interesting. Uh, the, All I know is 3.30, 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday. You know exactly what I'll be doing. <laughs> I'll paint my no, face. I, I'll I, do everything. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in for this game. You're totally in for this game. Uh, well, this is, listen, I, you know, uh, we're, we, we were joking last week, uh, you know, when is the Syracuse party going to stop? And I, I, I don't know that it's going to be this week. Uh, the Syracuse Orange are currently three and a half point home favorites over the 15-ranked uh, NC State Wolfpack at home. Over-under is sitting at 44.5 right now. Uh, unfortunately, it's not that we're seeing a little bit more money at Bavada on the Wolfpack right now. So uh, I think it's up to Syracuse to just continue to shock the world, including the fine betters at Bavada. All right, let's do the, the bigger games, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, after Syracuse goes 6-0, and then you'll have to talk about them. Uh <laughs> We have we have to talk about Alabama and Tennessee because obviously we have to talk about uh, you know potential Syracuse oh, you want to do college Alabama, football playoff. For, okay, I was going to say Penn State, Michigan, but that's fine. We'll do Alabama, Tennessee. Well, I, I figured it would after Syracuse, three versus you know, six the- over in Knoxville. 
Yeah, I, I, I figured after Syracuse runs the table, it would be, you know, apt to, you know, preview some of their college football playoff opponents. So, you know, whoever comes out the other side of Alabama, Tennessee in this one uh, will certainly have a bit of an inside track uh, heading into heading into uh, the latter part of October, where the games start to matter a little bit more. And we start talking about, you know, teams that are solidifying or maybe on the outside looking in, in the college football playoff. But this is without a doubt. Uh, the game of the week, the one that everyone's looking forward to, the one that uh, has so much college football postseason. It's on up against that Syracuse North NC State game. <laughs> Which one do you think's getting better ratings, Seth? Well, you know, it's just because they're on CBS and that's free TV. You have to pay for the ACC network. That's true. Only only the diehards are yeah. looking on the same. All I know is um, my uh, my cord cutting cable, but you know, Apple TV. It, it, it'll it'll notify me your Syracuse game is set to begin. Oh, that's handy. Um, I've, got, I've got more than a few apps to do that as well for my different teams, but I think your Syracuse one is uh, indefinitely special. Uh, okay, back to Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, the Tide currently are seven and a half point road favorites in this one. Um, the, the Volunteers have just looked absolutely incredible. They, uh, you know, just came off uh, an absolute beatdown of LSU, and it is the official position of this podcast that anytime Brian Kelly gets humbled at home, uh, we smile. We smile big. We don't like Brian Kelly too much. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, Seth, but that's that's definitely my official position. Okay. Um, looking at what looking at what Tennessee has done this year, they've been incredible. They're very much deserving of the ranking, very much deserving of the fact that they are only seven and a half point favorites against Alabama. And that's, you know, listen, that's a big spread in the NFL In college football. We've talked about how there are more possessions. There's more variance. So these spreads do not relate to money lines in the exact same way. This is the smallest favorite that Alabama has been all year and will likely be the smallest favorite until Alabama plays Georgia. Assuming those two teams are the ones that make it to the sec championship game. Uh, This is the game to watch, you know, maybe the one to the one a of Syracuse, uh, NC state set, but uh, yeah, yeah, super compelling. We're seeing uh, a little bit more early action on the Vols in this one, Uh, you know, Alabama, you know, they are undefeated, but they they haven't looked perfect the entire way. They were in tight against uh, Texas A&M last week, Uh, Texas, the Longhorns even played them tough. Uh, Alabama had been the last second field goal to win that one. Alabama, yeah, they're good. They're undefeated. You know, Bryce Young is there. He's, you know, playing a little bit hurt, and I think that's part of their problems. But they look far from uh, the immortal or invincible Alabama teams we've seen in the past. Uh, this is the one. This is the game on Saturday. Again, the one-to-one hit of Syracuse NC State Wolfpack. Should be a good one. And then there's Penn State, Michigan, of course, uh, unbeaten 6-0 and against 5-0 and unbeaten Nittany Lions. Uh, Michigan's home. It's going to be 100,000 people there. It'll feel like what I felt like during New York Comic-Con last weekend. Oh, my God, my skin was crawling. Uh, Penn State, Michigan from the big house. From the big house. Uh, yeah, another great matchup, Seth. This is uh, 10 versus 5. Uh, Michigan uh, is trying to lay claim to uh, you know another college football playoff berth. Uh, looking really good on both sides of the ball this year. You know They, they have experimented a bit playing with two different QBs. Um, you know, Penn State, uh, they just came off a, a close one against uh, Northwestern, 17-7 in the defensive battle. But uh, the Wolverines are currently seven-point favorites at Bavada in this one. The over-under is sitting 52.5. A little bit more love for the Wolverines so far, but uh, a great game that Fox got that Fox has at noon on Saturday. Really looking forward to this one, Seth. And, uh, you know, uh, probably uh, the best chance Penn State's had in the last five years or so to maybe make a bit of a run and show that they can hang at the top of the Big Ten. Well, we should wait and see. All I can say is 
those are two programs that I'm not a fan of. Um, and yeah, nothing. It's so funny. That's a massive game that I am not compelled to see in the slightest. And that's not a Syracuse thing. Can't stand people who went to Michigan and I can't stand people who went to Penn state. Two of the most arrogant fan bases going up against each other. Oh my God. Uh, I can't decide who, I, who, who is more annoying to follow the Penn state people or the Michigan people. And I'm telling you, when one wins and they rub their other team's nose in it, it's, it's obnoxious either way. Oh, I like that we're uh, going to like the hot takes of just, you know, blanket uh, assassination of fan bases for various colleges. I'm for it. I, I, I think we need to continue to go in a dark direction like this and see how many people we can alienate each week. We'll, we'll, we'll pick a different, uh, you know, whether it's a pro sports franchise or college. Uh, you know what? College basketball just around the corner. We're going to have to prime our Duke hate episode. There was a, a really funny uh, thing from my MLB career. Um, we used to talk about the most obnoxious fan bases, right? And for mm-hmm. years, it was always the Red Sox and the Yankees. Just the most obnoxious okay. fan bases, so those two. And I made the argument for a whole year, I campaigned for this, that the St. Louis Cardinal fan is just as obnoxious. And the only reason why we don't talk about them is because of it's not as big a media market. But they are mm. just as annoying, just as obnoxious, just as rub your nose in it. And the St. Louis Cardinals, I would say, is at least number two, if not the number one most obnoxious fan base. And the people in St. Louis hated my guts. And I loved every minute. It was just all in good fun. I remember in uh, 2009, the All-Star Game was in St. Louis. I got booed mm-hmm. at FanFest. <laughs> Looks like you made it. And I was just, I was, I was going, Skip Schumacher's not an all star. <laughs> you, you know what it all started from? I'll tell you yeah. what it all started from. It, it was one of the dumbest things that Albert Pujols ever did. And this was before Albert Pujols left St. Louis the first time. This is when okay. he could walk on water. Remember, <laughs> like he mm-hmm. was all world. And mm-hmm. he, because of an insurance policy, was ineligible to play for team Dominican Republic in the upcoming world baseball classic. And I, you know, I'm on record as saying, I think international tournaments in the middle of a season or right before a season are ridiculous. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm outspoken. This world cup should not be taking place in the middle of the premier league season. It's, it's, it's idiotic, but especially where they're playing it. Oh, it's ridiculous. But in this case, Albert Pujols was ineligible for the World Baseball Classic because of some thing with an insurance policy. Not the point. The team Dominican had set up, because remember, spring training is going on while this is happening. So team Dominican, to sell tickets, sets up an exhibition game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And that's a good idea, right? Now, Pujols is not hurt. He's just ineligible for the World Baseball Classic. So he's with the St. Louis Cardinals. And he asked out of the lineup. He said it would be too weird to face his uh, his countrymen, and he didn't want to have to face them. Okay. Now, my argument was, you don't think the team Dominican pitchers would benefit facing Albert Pujols in his prime? I said, that's a stupid argument. And you would have thought I used the name Jesus Christ in vain. You would have thought, because I, I criticized Pujols for that. Look, I think Pujols is a, is a wonderful player. 
He's a magnanimous human being. He's given so much to charity. Great ambassador for the sport. But in this circumstance, he was wrong. And I went on the radio and I criticized Pujols. And you would have thought I had said the Lord's name in vain. Well, now, now, next time I go to St. Louis, if anybody asks if I know Seth ever, like, no, no, God, no. But, no, uh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's interesting, me. though. You're, you're not the first person that I've uh, heard make that uh, or have that kind of sentiment towards Cards fans and, uh, you know, how, you know, I don't even know what the right word is. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they, their reputation precedes them a little bit. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a huge baseball guy, so I don't see it, but I, I've seen a lot of people make those claims towards cards fans and i don't know exactly why it is the case but uh yeah well that's i i you know the, the leafs fans kind of get that a little bit uh we don't win anything though so i don't know what we yeah. have to be uh you know dicks about but uh no yeah. in my experience the leafs fan has not rubbed me the wrong way like that here's another one ready for for st louis uh okay. yadi molina Great player, oh, yeah. right? Great, great mm-hmm. career, amazing, legend, legendary player. So uh, we got into a debate. Uh, it was actually Cole Hamels was part of it. We got into this discussion about if you could designate, uh, have the DH for the catcher. There would be some catchers who would be in the lineup for their catching more than their mm-hmm. hitting. Sure. And as good a player as Yadier Molina is, he is better as a catcher mm-hmm. and that if there was a DH for the catcher, Yadi Molina would be the catcher. Whereas, as a matter of fact, we were talking about Joe Mauer. I said, Joe mm-hmm. Mauer would be the hitter. Right. If you had, if it, it was just a, a, a fictional sports radio conversation. Yeah. I, I mean, a, a good hitting catcher is uh not something you see too often um you know they, they rarely hit over replacement right. level buster posey As would it, be a hitter buster posey would have been a like, like think about this era yeah yeah so, buster posey you know joe mauer when he did it and then even he couldn't do it at the end uh wow ooh, oh man. you know yvonne rodriguez uh if we're going back be a now, hitter. yeah right yeah right but but otherwise I, i'm with you it's exception to the rule and when, while you were saying that, I was thinking about some shortstops that are in there for their defensive ability more so than they're hitting. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So I, I so, face so value, go to the it's phone. not offensive, but yeah, we go to the phone. Yanni Molina is a good hitter, man. You don't know what just... you're talking about. See, that's that's the thing with that take, though. I mean, like baseball is the most analytically, mathematically solved sport that you can't say with a straight face. There's no like, oh, but he has good chemistry when he's hitting, or you know, he's great for morale. No, it's a one-on-one batter versus pitcher matchup, and Yadier Molina is a great catcher. You know, very good overall baseball. He is a subpar hitter, and that's that's just that's as true as the fact that you're Seth Everett and I'm Pat Morrow. I wish I'd have someone defend me the way that most ardent sports fans uh, defend right. their. Well, that was the thing. Like they players. defend. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 like you went after their family or something. I you know, you think, it's the I way some sports fans talk about like we said, when they're talking. When I said yeah. that about Pujols and I was just being objective, I like Albert Pujols. I don't have a problem yeah. with Albert Pujols. That was a dumb yeah. thing he did that day. That was one day. It's 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 a weird thing, yeah, for sure. It was. I, it, it was it's it's a yeah. curious thing that doesn't really pass any kind of smell test. Uh, yeah, it's odd, but uh, so but I'm glad you were rightly crucified for it. Speaking of odd, this is the At Odds podcast. See that little segue right there? 
Uh, we got Someone's you all the lines. Out. We did the baseball. We did the NFL. We did even college. And go Orange. Go Orange. Go Maple Leafs. Let's go. Come on. This Hockey is season starts. Yeah, this is uh, this is the inevitability every year that we are like the second or third biggest favorites and we will crap out in the first round. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the pain. Let's go. That is the passion that unites us all, whether it's the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Babada Dodds podcast. Mm-hmm.